This podcast is not meant to be informative or educational and has the potential to be completely irrelevant. This is Property Jam. Welcome to this episode of Property Jam, where we talk about everything to do with the human side of property and what a guest we have for you again. Yes, we do have a guest um, with us. Uh, So today we have the formidable Anna Cox. Uh, Anna is a property developer extraordinaire and I will let her introduce herself. So over to you, Anna. Uh, Tell us a little bit about you. Well, hi, everybody, and thank you for having me on Property Jam today. What a delight. Um, So, yeah, my name's Anna Cox. Uh, I am a property investor, as Matt has said. Um, I, in property, focus my attention much more on the finance side. Uh, So I have been buying, acquiring, buy-to-lets, HMOs, uh, development projects, um, building my way up through different size and types of strategies, Um, And as the projects have grown bigger and bigger, I've very much honed in my skills on raising finance, creative finance, um, and working with different streams of lease options. Um, My my focus is all about creating income. Uh, I don't intend to be selling off any of my properties anytime soon. Uh, As as we've all seen at the moment, there's a huge boom in the market, um, and I want to really benefit from that capital uplift while sitting on some nice, nice, nice income. Uh, Before property, uh, I used to work in the events industry, which uh, I love, was rewarding and relentless in equal measures. Uh, And I thought I better get out of that and get into something that's a bit more, um, a bit more passive, uh, a little bit easier going on my time and stress levels. So I chose property. (laughs) Whoops. The irony. (laughs) And I'd say uh, seven years on, um, a little bit out of the frying pan into the fire, but I've embraced every minute of it and I've loved the journey, um, as I'm sure you guys will relate to. Yeah. Amazing. That's hilarious. (laughs) Something more passive that doesn't require that much energy. It's easy. It's easy. (laughs) 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 It's good that you love the journey, though. Like I'd say there's always a love-hate relationship with the journey. Yeah, I mean, you're learning and growing, right, all the time. And I think as you learn and grow, I think one of the one of the important things that you learn and grow from is identifying the things that you really don't want to do in property um, and honing in on the skills that you have got and bringing the skills that you've got to the table, very much finding other people to help work on the business to do the bits that you don't want to do. And I know you guys are paired up, haven't you? So uh, business partners make a huge difference to where and how quickly the journey goes yeah that's an interesting question there so what don't you want to do in property flat pack oh (laughs) yes i've just subjected myself to a week of flat pack furniture which as we all know we shouldn't be doing to ourselves um but i i i kind of fell into it and just took it took it on um but yeah though there's definitely things that other than flat pack that I, I kind of intend not to do, which one of them is being on the front end of dealing with the kind of management of the properties and looking after the tenants. Um, my intention is to kind of sit back from that part of the process um, and kind of strategically build the portfolio. Um, so it's very much in planning 
what is a safe and uh, diverse way of the portfolio growth um, that can keep the funds moving around and um, keep us active, uh, but also keep us, you know, have a, have a, as few avoids as possible. You know, we don't want to overgrow in certain areas and not be able to deliver on the on the back end. Um, so it's easy enough for me to say, you know, I don't want to be in the lettings or management side and keep buying property. But um, yeah, for me, that's very much a, a, a team that we've built that look after the back end for us. Um, and for me, I'm funneling in the the projects into the pipeline uh, for the guys to look after. Yeah, it's good. Mm. And actually, talking to business partners, it's quite interesting. The guy that you work with, Max, um, yeah, it, tell us about that relationship because it's sort of evolved, hasn't it, over time? And actually, it was probably through that front-end management that really it all began, wasn't it? Yeah, so we were just taking the step from buy-to-lets to HMOs. Um, and I'd got two HMOs, one purchased and the other one in the pipeline. Um, and we were running uh, our lettings through a high street letting agent. And we just found that even though they'd said everything that we wanted to hear, the result was that we weren't really getting the leads and we weren't getting the viewings that we'd anticipated. Um, and uh, after it, it was a few weeks and we didn't have one tenant in the HMO that we'd bought, um, oh. we were starting to get a little bit nervous. <laughs> was it us? Was it the property? Was it the area? Um, and after talking to one of our mentors at the time, uh, he just said, get out there, just start speaking to people. It can't be, you can't have found no tenants after doing the research on spare room. Uh, there's got to be something else kind of wrong here. And what we found was the agent wasn't doing out of hours viewings. Um, he wasn't doing weekend viewings. He was more marketing towards students. Uh, and this was in January. So he was saying, oh, I might have five people for you in August. And we were like, no, that's not, that's never going to work. Um, so uh, Warren, my boyfriend, actually got himself onto Spare Room, was trawling, trawling all the adverts, and there was one advert that kept popping up again and again um, as really standing out head and shoulders above in terms of their marketing, their wording, uh, how they presented themselves, the services they offered, um, and we just contacted this guy and said, look, we're, 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 we're basically your competition, but we're going to be a landlord in the area. And we'd love, we're, we're super impressed with how you present your business. Can we work with you rather than just be sitting as a competitor? And, and in the first instance, he said, no, thanks, I'm, I'm all fine. And then after another week or so, Warren rang him back and went, oh, no, please, can you? <laughs> uh, and, and interestingly, he came out and met us, um, came and looked at our properties and was kind of impressed with how we were looking to operate and work it was very much in line with his business model and we teamed up he was going to be our lettings manager he filled the property in two weeks he filled the next one in 10 days and he had his you know his his finger on the market um and we grew with him as our lettings manager and over after i don't know about 18 months or so realized that we were targeting the same properties we were targeting the same strategy and I'm down south and he's on the ground up north. Um, and why don't we just JV so he can chase the builders around. He can manage the management of the tenants and I can do the paperwork side of things in terms of raising finance, mortgages, licensing, compliance, all the stuff that I enjoy doing. Anything that involves a laptop and a spreadsheet that can be done from a sun lounger with a cocktail, that's on my list. That's you, girl. And then anything, <laughs> anything that needs to be chasing people around locally is on Max's list. So yeah, it was quite, it was quite a nice combination. 
Um, it means I don't have to travel up there as much. And I've got someone who's a who's a who's an equity shareholder in the business who cares as much about my business as I do uh, to make sure all the wheels are moving in the right direction. Ooh. That sounds like a really good relationship. Perfect relationship. <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. I mean, it's not been without its bumps along along the way, for sure. Um, I think we had, you know, some challenges of communication and what both of us, you know, we kind of said it as lightly as I've just said it to you and, 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 and got on with a project. And there was a yep. couple of, you know, actually ironing out what the roles and responsibilities were. Um, and I definitely think there's things that Max enjoys doing that I have no interest in doing and things that <laughs> I enjoy doing that he really doesn't like filling out paperwork and that side of it. And I'm more than happy to do that. So, yeah, yeah once we'd ironed out some of the creases, we're, we're, we were really good to go. I think what, having somebody on the ground that you can rely on is half the battle. Yes. Um, whether, whether you like it, whether you like doing that bit or not, when you're the other side of the country um, and you don't have anyone to rely on to do the viewings to look after the properties for you then it's uh, it can be a bit of a nightmare yeah and I think I don't know how if, how you guys have found it but I think being at a distance from my portfolio has been a blessing and a curse like at, to start with I really felt uncomfortable being that far away but it forced me to build a really good team because if someone's locked out and hasn't got their keys or the boiler's broken I'm never going to be the first person there I'm a five-hour drive away so somebody else has to do that. And I have to trust that they will do that. Um, and it forced, I mean, I'm quite a hands-on person. So if it had been, only been an hour's drive away, I'd have probably been jumping in the car at 10 o'clock at night, letting people in and getting involved myself more than I do because it is, you know, much further, further away from me. Interesting. Yeah. So, so um, with, with all that in mind, what would you say is the human side of property to you? It's, really about relationships um and trusting your team and making sure that everybody who's part of your team you know we all talk about power teams and that can range from brokers accountants solicitors managing agents builders business partners cleaners um maintenance guys i think for me the human side of it has really been about making sure that they all understand the importance in my business and that they are um, respected in their own role, however small or large that might be, um, because there's nothing worse than going to work and not feeling appreciated, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, so I think that's been the growth for us and very much the personal human side of it is making everyone understand that they are a really important cog in, in the wheel, because if the cleaners don't turn up or don't do a good job, then the tenants aren't going to be happy, um, you know, and you know, as, as, as well as my broker raising the finance, like I have a really great relationship with my broker, I spend hours on the phone to him. Um, and he's willing to spend the time with me to make sure that I understand what my, what my um, next steps are in terms of finance. So yeah, I think it's just about giving back to the people that are around me and letting them know that they're valued. Yeah, it's true, isn't it? Because it's just, we always talk about this, the different hats that you have to wear in property. Like you can't possibly do everything on your own. It's just absolutely impossible because of the different skills and interest levels and time and energy that it requires. So like having those people around you that you trust and you build a relationship with over time is what makes your business grow. Otherwise you, you, you can't do this game. You can't, it's impossible. 
you know, it's, um, yeah, the relationship thing is the thing which makes or breaks your business. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. At the moment, um, it's super busy in my market because it's the student market and it's the turnover. And at the, I've got literally, I'm having to just, you know, approve quotes and um, I can't be there to see what needs improving. And you can't tell from inspection photographs when they get sent through. So, you know, I'm getting email after email saying, you know, here's the photographs of bedrooms, one, two, three, four, five, six. And it's like, you know, you're trusting what they're observing as to what needs replacing, what needs to come out of the tenant deposits, what needs, you know, what's fair wear and tear and what isn't. And those decisions have such an impact on your cash flow and your projections going forward. And even though you always have a reserve, it could be a really expensive time of year. And I need to know that the letting agents that I'm working with are able to make that assessment on my behalf without me having to drive up the motorway to kind of be on the ground working all that stuff out. So yeah, I, it's a busy time of year, but again, wow, when you've got a good team, what a difference it makes, right? Yeah. yeah. Trust. Yeah, it's interesting, wasn't it? And a big thing for a lot of people to let go, as you said Anna, previously about letting go and, and trusting people. How long did it take you before you really trusted your team from that initial kind of conversation yeah I don't know I mean I'd say we kind of jumped jumped in pretty feet first and I'd say the first couple of projects doesn't mean it doesn't mean you trust him yet no but I think I think it was more about um they they made a really big effort at the start to do a really good job and I think there was a level of trust built very very early on mm -hmm. um and then I think the trust was tested when there was definitely some misunderstandings. And I'd say that all happened in the first kind of six months um, of maybe overly trusting and then kind of realizing that we weren't sort of on the same page. And then just coming back and reviewing like what the, the challenges were and realizing that we all wanted the same thing. Like we all wanted to do a good job. And if things weren't kind of clicking for some reason that we were all wanted to kind of jump in and find a solution. And I think it was that level of conversation that level of depth of talking about the business and the advance the advancement and the forward thinking about what we were doing that led to the trust because if there's a problem and we could all talk about it no matter what the problem was and come to a decision about how we were going to um, resolve whatever the challenge might be then I started to feel comfortable that I didn't mind if there was problems because there's always going to be problems in property right everything every now and then something comes up that I would never have dreamed of or, um, you know, or, or, you know, there's always something new. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Here's something new. How are we going to do it? Um, but I think the trust really came in when I knew that we were all on the same page about how, about one, that we have to fix something. If there's even no, a problem, no, no matter how small or large, let's fix it because it's not good for them, for their time and energy to just be, you know, dragging problems along. Um, and I'd say we probably resolved that in the first kind of six to 12, six to 12 months of, of working together, even from finding Max as a letting agent, um, which gave me the confidence to then basically JV with somebody. So I'm joint ownership in multi-million pound deals with a guy that I only really met about five years ago. Um, and to have the confidence to be able to uh, move forward with that level of risk and exposure with somebody that I've met relatively recently, um, that really came through, yeah, as I say, knowing that 
we were both on the same page if there's a problem we deal with it like we find a solution we fix it but before that because obviously it takes a while for trust to build and trust comes from working together and you know experience and all the rest of it what was it that was an indicator for you that this person might be someone that you'd want to work with some people it's data and like the evidence that they can actually see from work they've done before but for other people it's very feeling driven it's like an instinct what was it for you yeah I, th I definitely think it was more of an instinct for me um the way that I saw that they looked after the tenants. So we would set up a, a WhatsApp group for every house that we run. So we could see how they were with the client end, the client being our tenants. We could see how they looked after them and how they were responding to them as the end user of our, of our products. Um, and I think it was very much a, a synergy of that they cared about what they were doing and they cared about how they were delivering um, what they were, what 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 they were working on, you know, they wanted to be proud of their work. They wanted to deliver something that 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 functioned, and 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 I, you know, there was no kind of spreadsheet or data analysis that said, yeah, you know, here tick tick tick, these guys are good to go. It was very much, yeah, we liked who they are and what they're about and how they how they what their kind of ethics and morals and and integrity of their business. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big one, isn't it? Definitely. Yeah. yeah. You know, and they're far from perfect. As, 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 as what, your morals best. and your ethics? They're far from perfect. <laughs> <laughs> but they're the same, so it's fine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they're aligned, they're just way yeah. off. <laughs> that, that, well, I, I think... guess it's like, like, any, like anything, it's the people that are going out looking for the perfect joint venture partner or the ideal, the perfect property doesn't exist you're not going to find that perfect thing you're going to have bad days and good days and yeah it's just running with it really yeah and I, I totally agree with that and I think I just I just think that um wishing that things were perfect or not doing anything until you've got the perfect solution you're never going to go anywhere no it's like if, if you wish for a perfect joint venture partner it's like wishing it's kind of like saying that you're perfect yourself yeah. So yeah, if, if I'm wishing for perfect joint venture partner, then uh, I must be perfect as well to counter well, to to be able to work with them. So, um, understanding your own flaws is probably the one of the first things you need yeah. to do. And looking at a, yeah, a joint venture partnership and going, okay, where uh, where am I flawed? Yeah. Um, and then, but also being aware of them so that you can work around it. I think one of the the most difficult conversation as a joint venture partner is when someone is completely unaware of the, the issue or just can't see it or is unwilling to budge because they don't see the problem so understanding a problem um yeah so again as you say if you if everyone's jumping in and helping find solutions then yeah it sounds like a good match made in um in preston heaven <laughs> <laughs> So um, I think you, you came a bit prepared today. Is that what you were going to say, Niall? I was literally going to say the same thing. About... You can say it. You can say it if you want. No, no, it's fine. I don't want we'll, to step we'll, on your toes. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll join we'll <laughs> oh, Come on, boy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yes, um, Anna, thank, thank you, Matt, for letting me speak. I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> do you come prepared with a, a question for us all today? I do, and it actually relates to how we all know each other. So, okay. I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, so we all came through property training, and we all met each other when we were 
um, very kind of green in terms of property investing. Um, and we were all learning a very similar time, right? Um, yeah. And over the, the period of that time, we've all become um, teachers, trainers, mentors um, of, of different levels. You guys are doing the podcast, which is amazing. And I, I want to hear like how, because I think it's been a massive part of my journey being involved in training education. Um, obviously, Matt's written his book, which is an absolutely fantastic book. Which can we also say he just sneakily repositioned while you were talking? There a bit of um, yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's why we were laughing earlier when you were talking. It wasn't nothing you were saying. It was just him twisting the book. It, it, it may, may have got knocked on the on the old bookstand there. So. Yeah, like his merchandise was just slightly it, yeah. askew. Yeah, carry on. <laughs> but I'd I'd like to hear like what do you? How do you think that's helped you in your journey? And wh whether or not it's you know really the the you know the HMO next level training or writing the book or the podcasts but um some some of the kind of presenting speaking training what part do you think that's played in your in your journey oh can I tackle this one first because go for it I think so for me you know I've my background was as you know, working in a university sector and, you know, in a nine to five job that was just didn't suit me. You know, I think we can all safely say, can't we, as four individuals, that nine to five model does not suit any of us. Um, but I honestly thought that was all that I was ever going to do. And then property from that level of awareness from the education, just it was like a, a launch pad into opportunity and possibility to kind of design the mission drill work that I probably wanted to do more so that started off with you know property investing which led to teaching property investing which led to you know setting up a network with Matt and then the podcast evolved from that and then it led into setting up a business with another business partner who I met through property running luxury retreats for women and now on the speaking side and certainly that teaching experience, which is a form of public speaking, by the way, you know, teaching is standing at the front of a classroom and, you know, you're speaking in public as is podcasting. It's also a public speaking platform. And I've gone on to kind of set up my own business under the Joe Lightfoot banner, which is all around public speaking and, you know, coaching and mentoring around more personal development stuff and people sort of discovering the colors of their rainbow. So it's like none of that, none of that would have happened unless I'd gone down the property education route. So for me, it wasn't just property, it was the possibility that it opened up. And I always talk about that. So 100% um, life-changing. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think for, for me personally, I think it had a huge impact on my confidence um, because I never really, when, when we started doing the training and everyone says that you can become financially free and they're Banding around all these terms and phrases and stuff that at the beginning meant absolutely nothing to me. Um, and I could see that, well, it's okay for them, but I don't actually truly believe that I can do it myself yet. Um, so being around that environment and the people that were in that environment that had the, a more positive mindset. And then even if I wasn't there at that point, they were constant, constantly reminding me of um, that I could do it too. Um, and that that has had a huge impact. You know, it's it's given me the um, a huge change in a huge shift in my mindset, my self belief, my confidence um, has really changed through that pro through that process. Um, it's still something I have to constantly work on. There are still get those imposter syndrome moments um, where I think, 
you know, that I can't do this or it's okay for somebody else, but not for me. Um, so, yeah, so that has been a massive part of it for me for, for confidence building. Cool. Yeah, I, I would agree with everything everyone said so far. Um, <laughs> but, um, as above. <laughs> as above. No, but to add to that, uh, yeah, to expand upon the, the obviously as a musician, I've always been a performer in some way, shape or form, but never the main performer always kind of as part of an ensemble so what becoming a trainer meant was that i was then putting myself at the front of it it's like being a front a front man of a band it's very different to being a keys player in a band um despite regardless of how crucial each of those parts are um and so because so basically it was becoming a front man of my own band was was uh you know training for um, for other organizations and then on on, on our own um, and um, so it was getting used to that getting over the fear um, but I suppose it came it did come quite naturally um, after a while but then from what it's what opportunities it's brought um, it first of all it's profile raising so people start to see you in a different light um, some people yeah basically most people we speak to now kind of have you kind of in some kind of pedestal kind of way which is a bit weird first and foremost um but it's, it's not we're just a few steps ahead and that's what that's all we are we just experienced more of this industry therefore we know more of the pitfalls um and in fact that's probably better for some people because we're, we're only a few steps ahead uh, only a few years not not 10 years 20 years ahead so uh, i think it, it's quite um within reach but it's brought opportunities, it's brought joint venture partners, it's helped us raise finance. Um, it has, uh, you know, people bring us deals to, you know, whether you want to buy them, etc. Yeah, I think it, it just, because it raises your profile, it gives you so much opportunity to then to, um, to say, yeah, this is this what we want to do. And, and and it made sense for us, for Nile and myself, to have businesses which are interrelated. So by having a development company which develops um next level HMOs and co-living spaces and then to talk about next level HMOs and co-living spaces through a book and then help others develop them as well and then to have a management company which manages next level HMOs and co-living spaces they're, they're, they're all kind of interlinked so you know a, a client who loves what we do can be a, a part of all of those businesses um, through their own developments or through working with us through, through having the properties managed the co-home way um, so it's part of a it's part of the puzzle and somebody asked me this yesterday in a big team meeting. They said, um, would you do one without the other? Uh, and more in relation to, you know, would you do the training on its own if you hadn't, if you weren't developing properties? And I was like, well, no, I don't think so, because they're so into think. It's like um, when I was a piano teacher, people say, well, why do you teach piano? I was like, actually, because it keeps my hand in. Mm. It, it, it's, um, you have to think about things differently when you're trying to explain it to somebody else. You have to keep on top of your skills um, because say someone learning about it, you can't teach someone you know, the, the way that it used to be done 20 years ago. We need to be aware of you know, how it works now. You need to adapt um, and see what's going on. So that's, I think it, it forces that to happen. Um, so uh, yeah. It also forces you to kind of take responsibility as well for what you do to the best you can possibly do it. Because when you are probably in a position of, you know, visibility, 
Mm. You know, when you do teach or when you do train or, you know, when you do go on podcasts or whatever, um, you know, people, you have to be really accountable to yourself and what you're saying. So it forces you, I think, to to be better at what you do. That's genuine. I think it's like an accountability thing that I think comes with that level of responsibility. Yeah, Yeah, it raises the bar. And well, because because we sort of said that people perceive you to be this person that you don't necessarily are um, up on this pedestal that um, that in itself brings its challenges because mm-hmm. for those reasons they, they, they expect you to be perfect they have this perception of what things are good you know how things are and actually um, what yeah, the approach that we take is that we actually you know we are kind of warts and all um, you know we, we say it as it is um, which may detriment us in certain certain ways, but I think actually on the whole is a big positive for how we can how, how we grow and, and then yeah the right people see the right things and then 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 work with us. Yeah, I think there's something to be said of that as well because you know like we know this, don't we, Anna? Like property is not for everybody. Jesus, like yeah. if someone had told me just how hard it was when I started, I, I probably would have questioned getting into it. Like it's all get rich quick overnight stuff that you know you see everywhere, and we just know it's bullshit. Like. But I think for me, like when I was sort of, oh God, I completely lost my train of thought. I was going to say something really prolific and really deep there. Where was I going with it? No, help me out. Where was I going? Where was my brain going? You know how my brain works. <laughs> I, can't, I can't figure out how my own brain's working today. Never mind someone else's. <laughs> I was going to say something about how I would I would have done it differently. Like I'll come back to it. Yeah, where are you going to do it differently? Because if you knew how hard it was going to be, would you have actually started well that's a really good question yeah I don't know I think I think probably because of what it's opened up in terms of oh that was it I remembered I remembered I was it was linking to what Matt said that's it when he said about warts and all I think because property is not for everybody I think talking about it warts and all actually reaches say the 20% that it's relevant to as opposed to the 80% masses who just have this idealistic perception of what they want it to be and all the rest of it. So if somebody's really serious about property, whether you're teaching, whether you're, you know, doing a webinar or whether you're, you know, whatever, or or mentoring, it's about really disclosing that truth of what property is really all about, the good, the bad, the warts and all, so that you kind of are not projecting this image of perfection or, you know, path of least resistance through property. You're just saying this is how it is. And if that 20% who you can make a difference to go on to be really successful in property, fantastic. You were part of that experience and that journey. But the rest of them, the 80% masses who are YouTubing and go and do all the seminar junkie things who have this idea of what property is and don't want to hear the, 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 the darker side, perhaps, they're not the right people, you know? Yeah. See, I told you it was deep. I told you it was good. I think one of the things about if I'd have realised it was um, as complex and there was as many parameters to it and it was as... as 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 challenging as it has been would have probably pushed me to find jbs or buddies earlier on i think i i think at the start i believed i was just going to do it all myself uh, for quite a while until i got to you know probably meeting max and three or four or five hmos in and realized that i'm actually not enjoying this because i'm just i want to keep all the profit and i want to keep it all for myself i don't want to share 
Whereas actually it's been the sharing of responsibility and sharing of the deals and sharing of, you know, time and resources and money and everything. As soon as I've started giving more of it away, the repercussion has just been the portfolio has just gone through the roof. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good point. Uh, for for me, I don't know if I would have started at all, knowing like how <laughs> difficult it was, because I, my mindset when I started, like I said earlier, is in a completely different place now to what it was then. So I would have run for the hills, not <laughs> at that point. But it, I think it, it is hard work. It is there's long days. There's lots of lots of moving parts in what we're doing right now, especially because we've got so much going on. But I. I don't think I would change it at the same time because the end result is going to be a hell of a lot better than any end result I would have gotten from a nine to five job. Because you're building something. Mm. You're building something which has value, which has, you know, it, it's a business. And um, when you build something, even if it falls down, at least you tried. Oh my God, that's like you... a RuPaul song. Oh, it's, that's from City That Walk. Are you listening to RuPaul at the moment, Matt? Has, has that been on your playlist? Uh, no, it most definitely has has not been on my playlist. But um, it's like um, it's, it's like the, the the learning that you tell a child um, when someone you know, someone's been building this tower, and then like my nephew, and then and then my daughter comes and just goes, yeah, and knocks it over, and then and then my nephew goes, well, you got it, and he's like, well. Excellent, we get to build it again. Oh, it'll be easier yeah. the second time round. And it'll be easier the second time round. And better, yeah. probably. <laughs> because you because you know a, a lot more. And you realise, actually, that one that was at the top should probably have been at the bottom. Yeah, but it stuck at the top at the first instance. But someone had to come down and knock it. I'm not saying that you need that your property business or whatever needs to fall over to, to learn this stuff. But um, the, the benefit of property is that time is a healer. Mm. Uh, even if you do a, um, yeah, you have the odd one which doesn't go quite to plan, which I'm sure... Um, we've all experienced. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah. Hey, yeah bring... there's a plan? <laughs> plan? Yeah. There's a plan? plan. <laughs> <laughs> there's always a plan. <laughs> I had a plan on the back of my hand. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the plan. It'd be episodes of grand designs, isn't it? Over time and over budget. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's right. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Oh, it's fascinating. Speaking of uh, being being over time or getting close to time, uh, Joe, would you like to lead us in a round of uh, uh, applause? No, a round of uh, episode roulette. <laughs> I can do both if you like. Um, okay, so Anna, the way this works is, and for new property jammers to the podcast, hello and welcome, by the way. Um, so what we do is we play a game called episode roulette, not chat roulette, as Matt keeps referencing, <laughs> which is uh, a case involves uh, our special guest being asked to shout stop whilst one of us is scrolling through previous episodes. And whatever episode we land on, whatever topic was discussed in that episode, we would like our guests to share their human side, uh, their human perspective on that topic. So... Anna, I am scrolling. Shout stop when you're ready, my love. Stop. Ooh. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. Yes. It's Can I pick another one? <laughs> no, you're not. From oh. walking away from this one, because this is my favourite one, which the boys will know what it is. Episode number two, Tenant Story. So if you've got anything juicy that you can oh share my with God. us. How long have you Should we do a second episode? Like... <laughs> 
Oh dear. So, well, tenants are very much the human side of property investing because they're the end user of our product and they come in all sorts of shapes and sizes. <laughs> you can't say that. All right, delete. Can we delete that bit? Yeah, we'll, we'll delete <laughs> This is a very unedited podcast, so that's it, babe. <laughs> um, tenants. Oh, it'd be easy if it wasn't for the tenants, surely. Mm. Well, I mean... I have to say, we started out all very excited and we wanted them to love our little homes that we were going to put them in, HMOs and buy-to-lets. Um, and as I said earlier, for the HMOs, we set up a WhatsApp group. And I sit on the WhatsApp group, not, not in any participating measure, but just to kind of see what's happening in all of the houses. And God, don't they do some interesting things? <laughs> <laughs> do share, do one of our, share. One of our first... Uh, one, in fact, our very first HMO and our very first HMO tenant, a lovely young lady, um, was convinced that the house was haunted. Um, she was living on, she moved in on her own. There was no one else in the building. So there was only myself, Warren, the guy looking after the house and this lovely young lady on the WhatsApp group. So she was at 3 a.m. going, the house is haunted. The lights are coming on in the hallways. And this went on for like two or three days. So something was setting off. We have what we have sensor lighting in all of our communal spaces. So something was setting off the um, the, the, the communal hallways. Sensor lights, lights were going off and it was freaking her out. <laughs> um, and there were also TVs were coming on in the middle of the night. So it was genuinely scaring her and she was like this house she was going in this house is haunted the, te the telly's come on again like i haven't slept all night someone needs to come down here and you know wave their douse the house and like get get rid of the the ghosts and the ghouls and then one morning she actually started ringing the phone numbers on the whatsapp group saying that the house was haunted and called warren at about 4 35 o'clock in the morning and the tv's just come on the house is haunted and um, Warren said, just unplug the TV from the wall. And then if it comes on, call me back. That's <laughs> really turned, clever. <laughs> that call is ever like, just like, leave me alone, I'm going to sleep. And it turns out whatever was going on with the timer, it, the TV it had a timer set to come on at a certain time of the day. Um, so it was generally- 4.30 in the morning. It was like 4.30, 5am. It was set on a, like an alarm setting or a timer or something. And um, so she's poor girl. As soon as the other tenants moved in, she started telling all the other tenants that the house where. Like, <laughs> so um, so yeah, we had to get the um, we had to get that house kind of de 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 ghoul de ghost for her. Um, and then I don't know. We've had I mean we've had all sorts all sorts. We had a um, police police coming and raiding the house kind of looking for people that were involved in sort of narcotics and we've we've had we've actually had um hmrc come down to one of our hmos we've got a, a 42 bed it's a block of 10 flats and they turned up with the battering ram and about five or six of them all dressed in um full kind of commando gear uh, about to smash through the front door of our block of 10 apartments looking for Bob in flat, flat 10C or whatever because he hadn't paid some HMRC bill and the guys went running down there and we were like what's going on and they were like oh you know so-and-so's behind on his it must have got a bit more extreme for it to got to that point but yeah they were down there about to uh, to, to smash down 
our front door to go and find somebody for a, a missing HMRC tax bill. Um, oh my God, that's I know, it was quite exciting, right? But, um, wow, like there was no, front, no front doors were harmed in the making of that. <laughs> did, did, he, did they pay their rent? They were paying their rent, yeah. And it was this lovely little chap who was, didn't say boo to a goose. I mean, we, I, we didn't, we never found out the ins and outs of it. And he left not long afterwards, um, probably so they didn't come back and get him again. But we, we just assumed it must have been a mistake, but it turned out not to be a mistake. It was genuine. But yeah, he was happily paying his rent there, but running away from all sorts of other things. Wow. wow. Yeah. So. Oh my God. Oh, that's, that was that was really good because sometimes people if we do land on that episode they say a story and you're like yeah it wasn't so good yeah but that was good I've got, yeah, a, I've got a nice story it's not particularly exciting and it'd be very very short oh yeah so we had a lovely lady called Hannah who moved into one of our first HMOs it's a human story that's yeah. why she moved into one of our single rooms non-en-suite then she got a boyfriend who couldn't stay in the single room non-en-suite with her we decided and they had to upgrade themselves to a bigger room. So they moved to a double ensuite room. And then after a little while, they moved into a bigger, kind of more studio room that we have our little ensuites. And then after about a year, they, we had one flat and they moved into our flat. And they've been, been with us since they were one of our first tenants in that particular house. And they've been with us for the entire time. So one of our sort of jokes about diversifying our portfolio is that we want to keep our tenants rather than the, the main reason that our tenants leave us is because they get a partner, they want to get their own space, they want to get a house or something with, um, you know, a, a bigger, bigger um, storage or whatever. So our intention to grow is to grow our portfolio so that we can keep our tenants because um, they generally have quite a good experience with us. And as I say, they're, they're only moving because they're leaving the area or moving in with a partner or we haven't got anything big enough for them. Um, so yeah, Hannah's our model tenant because she stayed with us right from the start and kept going. So we'll have to get um, student accommodation for their babies and uh, yeah, an old people's home for them to live in once they're no longer no longer able to live on their own. Love yeah, that. That's, that's really cool. cool. That's so nice. dream is to have the whole path, and then you just got a community that live, live with you. I know you guys really focus on community and 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 the people side of it, right? So. That's the dream is to keep keep getting the next house in the journey so that the people can stay with us. Oh, really cool. So lovely. That was really sorry, sorry but it's really a good, good story. No, really good. Love that. Um, how are we doing for time, Matt? Let's do quick fire round. Okay, so I'm going to do one more episode. Shout stop whenever you're ready, Anna. Stop. Oh, interesting. Oh, okay. Episode 26, stress. Okay, so... Oh, my God. Yeah, right? <laughs> okay. Because I was getting stressed out working in events. <laughs> yeah, so you got into something like property to ease yeah, your stress. Yeah. yeah, how do you cope with stress? Like when, you know, when things are hitting the fan, like what do you do? Um, I think the most important thing is to share whatever I'm getting stressed about. Um, and having a team and having business partners and having other people who I who you work with, um, I think makes a massive, massive difference. And um, to me personally, I don't enjoy working on my own. So if things are building up and things aren't going to plan. Um, I tend to go and sit down and tell Max, I'm like, bit of like, blah, 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 and this is not working and that's not working. And I 
you know, I'm waiting for the money to come from here and da da da. And you would just go, oh, that's all right then, it's fine. Can't see any problems there. And you're like, oh, fine. Um, but I do think stress is sort of inevitable in this business. Um, it is, I, I think I've come to terms with it. It's just the case of being okay with things going wrong. Um, things will go wrong and it's more about how ta tackling them rather than kind of burying your head in the sand and hoping that they weren't there. Um, but yeah, no, there's been some stressful times. Yeah. And, and I think, I think for me, the biggest part of the journey has been if you've only got one thing going on and that one thing isn't going very well, then it's extremely stressful. But if you've got a number of things and one of them is not really working, it kind of fades, it kind of dilutes it a little bit. Yeah. That you've yeah. got other things that you can, you've got positives as well as a negative rather than just a big negative. Um, so I think that's a, a, a big thumbs up for kind of doing multiple projects, not overwhelming yourself and doing too much, but you know, having sort of fingers in a few, a few different things going on is helps yeah. I think with the stress. So, so true. Uh, but also dangerously sounding like relevance advice and in being informative there dangerous i know we've been a little bit My dangerous approach. kind of veering on veering on the, the knife edge um this episode but um <laughs> um i think i think uh, our listeners will enjoy it so i just wanted to start to well to wrap us up there so thank you so much anna for sharing your knowledge expertise or and irrelevance uh, of property <laughs> jam uh, today so it's, from me it's a goodbye it's a goodbye from me it's a goodbye from me. Thank you. Jam with us on social media where you can hear more and see more on Facebook search Property Jam Podcast or you can follow us on Instagram at Property Jam Podcast or you can email us at Podcast at outlook.com see, see you on the next, next episode, episode.